I have cancer. The doctors say it will kill me. Now, during my three-year journey with cancer, I have made some good decisions and I've made some bad decisions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You see, I hope that my journey can help you or someone you know. I'm Brad Bright, and this is the God is Issue podcast, where we show how God is the issue in every issue, including cancer. Now, folks, cancer's been in the news a lot here recently, right? Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, he tried to keep prostate cancer a secret from everyone, including his boss, the President of the United States. And then you had King Charles of England, who recently, it's, it's, it's been revealed that he has also been diagnosed with cancer. Cancer is just part of, of modern-day life. Now, if you live in the U.S., you will probably have about a 50% chance of getting cancer during your lifetime. That's kind of frightening, don't you think? You see, over 3 million men in the U.S. today have prostate cancer. I'm one of them. 30 million, uh, 30,000 American men will die from it this year. It's the second deadliest form of cancer for men in America. Only lung cancer kills more men. Now, today, I, I want to talk about some of the critical lessons that I have learned during the last three years of living with prostate cancer. Some I learned the hard way and, and really wish I could redo. Others I got right the first time. Now, then, the first lesson I learned through cancer is that you know, although most medical professions or professionals are very smart and they have great intentions, they can still make mistakes. So, folks, ask for a copy of every lab report of every report along the way and read it yourself. You won't understand everything, but you'll understand enough to begin asking good questions. Now then, I'm an optimist. As such, I have a bad habit uh, over the years of not taking health issues seriously. I've always just figured things will work out. But three years ago, my doctor told me I had prostate cancer. Six months later, I had surgery. They told me they thought they got it all and that I should just simply keep an eye on it for the next five years. Folks, I should have ha asked for a copy of the post-surgery report, the post-op report. I didn't. I found out a year later that they had misread the post-surgery report. The report clearly indicated that they did not get all the cancer. But folks, instead of reading through the report myself, I had relied on professionals to get it right. Well-meaning professionals, smart professionals, but it was a bad decision. Now, the second lesson I learned through cancer is you choose your treatment based on what you value. No one else can make that decision for you. A year and a half ago, when prostate cancer struck again with a vengeance, the doctor said stage four metastatic cancer. They said they couldn't cure me. They could only slow down the cancer. Folks, it was a death sentence. The tumors had spread across my abdomen and into the hip bone. It was a really, really big deal for me. Now, my life expectancy at that point dropped down to maybe five, maybe six years. But the first thing I told my doctor was this, I don't fear death, but I do fear pain, so we won't be doing chemo. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm more concerned about the quality of my re remaining life than the length of my remaining life. You see, I want to stay in the saddle as long as possible. After that, I hope I go quickly, God willing. See, I love life, but as a follower of Jesus, folks, death is simply the next step to something far, far better. Now, a lot of sincere people will give you advice. Some of it will be very helpful. So listen, 
but don't let them pressure you. Do your own research and then prayerfully choose a course of action. And then, then tell your doctor how you want to proceed. If you don't, the doctor will almost always make the safe choice, meaning the choice that prolongs life. Not necessarily the choice that that minimizes your suffering or helps keep you active. So be very clear about your priorities with your doctor. Now, the third lesson I learned through cancer is this, that unless it is a highly aggressive cancer, take the time you need before each step to think it through before you make a decision. Don't let fear drive the process. There is a very good reason why they say doctors practice medicine. Doctors are smart people, but they don't always get it right. Two of my doctors directly contradicted each other. So listen very carefully to their advice, but then step back, do some research, and think it through and pray. See, my doctors ultimately recommended I go on a testosterone suppressant regimen because prostate cancer feeds on the testosterone. The suppressant stops prostate cancer, really dead in its tracks, at least for a while. But eventually, the folks, the cancer is going to learn to produce its own testosterone, and it's off to the races again. I'm not at that stage yet. Now then, after we met with the doctor, we, Kathy and I pulled back, my wife and I pulled back, and sat and talked about it and prayed about it, reflect about it for really a couple weeks. In the end, I took my doctor's recommendation regarding the testosterone suppressant therapy. That was 16 months ago. Now, folks, for the first three weeks, I was miserable, absolutely miserable. But after that, my body adjusted well, more or less. Now, last July, which was eight months ago, the doctor said the abdominal tumors were were entirely gone. Now, he said the the remaining abdominal tumors, which were very, very small, he said were probably benign. Now, although the testosterone suppressant treatment prevents cancer from spreading, They had no explanation for how or why the abdominal tumors had disappeared over the eight months. Now, I have some ideas in that regard, and I'll talk about that shortly. But let's go to the fourth lesson. The fourth lesson I learned through cancer was that modern medical science can do phenomenal stuff, but it has limitations. So folks, recognize the strengths and weaknesses of modern medical science. Take advantage of its strengths but don't be stymied by its weaknesses. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I chose not to do chemotherapy because it permanently damages your immune system. And folks, it can can really mess with your head. In fact, it can kill you outright. A year ago, chemo killed a friend of mine a week after he had started it. But chemo is a very, very personal decision that you will need to make between you and your doctor. I did choose to have radiation therapy. I mean, that was last August, which was about seven months ago. I had high-intensity radiation treatments for the tumor in my hip. I mean, since radiation doesn't damage the immune system, I said, let's, let's go ahead and do it. Now, it completely wiped me out for a couple weeks. It seemed like all I wanted to do was sleep, but it paid off. My latest test results, which were about four weeks ago, showed the tumor in my hip, hip bone had shrunk by about two-thirds, and that was great news. However... When I asked my doctor, how do we get rid of the rest of the tumor? He responded, luck. Folks, I don't believe in luck. And that leads me to my, the next lesson that, that, that I've learned through cancer. The fifth lesson I learned through, through having cancer was to recognize the strengths and the weaknesses of modern medicine and to look at non-traditional forms of medicine with an open mind but with a healthy dose of skepticism. 
You see, to read as much as you can, but then take time to carefully consider the evidence. Now, full disclosure, I used to be highly, highly skeptical of alternative medicine. However, I've been doing a lot of reading since I was diagnosed with cancer. In recent years, a lot of licensed medical doctors have really been doing their own research. They're exploring alternatives that the pharmaceutical companies will never study. Why? Because there's no money in it. If pharmaceuticals had to invest a half a billion dollars or more to bring a drug to market, they are not going to study how to repurpose an existing drug that is already widely available. They'd go broke. Like any publicly held company, they have to make a profit for their shareholders. So instead of complaining about greedy pharmaceutical companies, simply recognize their strengths and their weaknesses. They do a lot of good, but they are not designed to do everything. Now, the sixth lesson I learned about cancer is that there are a lot of natural substances out there, in addition to standard chemo and radiation, that attack cancer from a number of different angles. Now, some are cancer inhibitors. Some are cancer killers called cytotoxins. Some are found in traditional medicine and in modern medical science. Some are found in non-traditional medicine. Now, here's one of the first non-traditional things I did. There's a lab in Greece, and you send them a, a sample of your blood. They extract the cancerous T cells. In the next 24 hours, they replicate billions of those T cells, and then they begin to test various substances on those T cells. They test both traditional forms of chemo as well as non-traditional substances. And they evaluate and categorize based on two criteria. First, substances that inhibit the growth of cancer T cells. And secondly, substances that actually kill the cancer T cells. And then they give a percentage rate for each subject, uh, for each substance, as to how effective it was at inhibiting or killing your specific cancer T cells. Now then the huge downside of this is it is very, very expensive and insurance does not cover it. Now let me share with you one of the things the lab in Greece discovered about my specific cancer. High-dose intravenous vitamin C and curcumin are just as effective against my cancer as any form of traditional chemotherapy. Folks, I didn't see that coming. I didn't even know that was a possibility. But it's opened up an incredible number of additional options for me to pursue. Now, the lab also listed a number of other substances that I've never even heard of that also attack my specific cancer, and I've used many of them. If you'd like to go in deeper into those specifics, I'm not going to do that here. You can go to my website, bradbright.org, where I have posted more details about some of the non-traditional alternatives that actually seem to be working well for me. Now, let me be clear. I am not a doctor. I'm a person just like you looking for answers. And by the way, do you know what I was doing during the eight months when the cancer virtually disappeared from my lymph nodes? Yeah, exactly. I was taking high doses of vitamin C and curcumin and a few other natural substances as well. Now, does this prove that those substances made the difference? No, it doesn't. Is it likely they made a difference? Yes, it is. Now, folks, there has to be some explanation for why the cancer in my lymph nodes virtually evaporated in those eight months, and I, I don't believe in luck. Now, the seventh lesson I learned about cancer is that cancer loves sugar. Now, that's not exactly true. Sugar causes inflammation, and cancer loves inf inflammation. So, folks, stay away from sugar. Now, 
I made two major changes to my diet. First, I eat almost exclusively organic now. Yes, it's more expensive, but it helps keep my immune system strong so my body can more effectively fight back against the cancer. And, and if that's the case, then that's worth additional cost. Besides, it costs a lot less than most cancer treatments. Secondly, I drastically cut sugar and simple carbs, which turn into sugar, you know, like potatoes and rice. It's not easy. I love potatoes. I love white rice. I love chocolate. I love ice cream. But you know why I did it? Cancer loves sugar. Well, you know what I mean. By the way, do you know what else I was doing during those eight months when the cancer virtually disappeared from my lymph nodes? Yeah, you guessed right. No sugar, or at least almost no sugar. Does that prove that cutting all forms of sugar to close to zero will starve and shrink cancer? No, no, it really doesn't. But folks, something happened that beat back the cancer, and I don't believe in luck. You see, if I can beat or significantly slow down terminal cancer without chemo, that would be absolutely huge. The eighth lesson I learned about cancer is that if the doctor, if your doctor puts you on a testosterone suppressant regimen, say that quickly 10 times, then do weight training. Weight training. Yeah, you heard me right. It helps a lot. It'll keep you stronger. It will help strengthen your heart. It will help reduce the overwhelming brain fog. I cannot emphasize this enough. As I mentioned earlier, I am on a suppressant regimen. It's standard operating procedure for treating prostate cancer. Now, here are some of the symptoms of the drugs. I have to sleep 10 hours every, every night in order to function the other remaining hours of the day. My physical strength has declined significantly. My blood pressure has spiked dramatically to the point that I am now on medication for it. The doctor actually said that I was more likely to die of a heart attack than cancer. But the worst part is this. I experience a daily brain fog, intense daily brain fog, and it has gotten progressively worse with each month that went by, and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Now, initially, the doctor said that I should lift weights to help maintain physical strength. I should have taken his words more seriously. Combined with cardio, it probably would have helped to strengthen my heart, but that is not the worst of it. He forgot to mention that weight training would help minimize the fog in the brain. That was a huge omission. Had I known that, I would have started weight training within the first couple months. My head started getting fuzzy. Now, have I mentioned how much I hate brain fog? I think I might even put that on a T-shirt. Now, again, even the best doctors can make mistakes. You just need to realize that. Just like the rest of us, they are human. But here is what I want you to hear. If they put you on a testosterone suppressant, lift weights daily. Now then, the ninth lesson I learned about cancer is listen to your wife or someone close to you. They will see things that you don't. The gradually, you know, the symptoms of my, of my cancer continued to get worse. They gradually continued to decline through last fall. It was a slow, incremental decline, so I really didn't realize how bad off I was. But important things started falling off my plate, like at an accelerating pace, like calling back friends who called or texting them back. I mean, even lifelong friends. And folks, I could feel the spark inside of me going dark. I love cracking jokes. It's just who I am. And I routinely get in trouble for it. But unlike Jesus, I've not learned to walk on water, but I have mastered the skill of walking on thin ice. 
but but no humor by last fall no humor even trickled through my lips and yet it wasn't really registering in my brain that's how bad the brain fog had gotten it really wasn't until last november when we visited some dear friends in dallas that i realized just how much my mental faculties had declined my wife, Kathy, had been noticing the issues, but she wasn't sure what to do. She had mentioned a few times what she was seeing. I could see the concern in her eyes. I could hear it in her voice. But, you know, being an optimist with a very, very foggy brain, I wasn't listening very well. I am now. Now then, here is the 10th lesson I learned about cancer. If at all possible, bring someone you trust into the process with you from day one. Have them come to every appointment with you if possible. Again, they can see things that you cannot see. They will hear things that you do not. They can act as your advocate with your doctors. Three weeks ago, we went met with my cancer doctor. He looked over my test results. We chatted about the results for a few minutes. He said, I look like I was doing pretty well, and we should continue with the current treatment since it seemed like everything was working according to plan. However, what he didn't realize is that day I was having a rare good day. And on top of that, being an extrovert, I'm naturally energized by being with people, including cancer doctors. But my wife knew better. She knew something wasn't right. She began telling the doctor exactly what was going on, especially about the intense brain fog. She felt like she had lost her husband. Fortunately, the doctor paid close attention. That's when he told us that lifting weights would help clear my head. I wish I'd known that a year ago. But after talking with him further, I, or we, decided to go off the suppressant, the suppressant uh, therapy for, you know, three to six months. It's because my priority is to stay in the saddle, not just to keep my body alive as long as possible. If I can keep the PSA numbers down with alternative medicines, I'll go even longer than that. And by the way, I've been lifting weights daily. I haven't missed a day. After three weeks, I already feel stronger. But most importantly, folks, my head has been completely clear for the past two weeks. I have not felt this good in a year. I'm glad my wife was there to let the doctor know the rest of the story. Why am I being so honest about my prostate cancer? Because there are some of you out there who are just starting this journey with prostate cancer. Most of you will be fine. It won't be fun for a few months, but if they get it all in time, you're probably good to go. And usually they do get it all. Hopefully, my experience will help motivate you to get checked annually. However, some of you are going to hear the words, you have stage four metastatic prostate cancer. We can't cure you. That's exactly what the doctor told me 16 months ago. If that is you, listen carefully to your doctor. Read everything you can so you know the right questions to ask. Your doctor has a lot of information in his head, but sometimes he might forget a key piece of information. He's human. Be willing to explore non-traditional alternatives. There are a lot of promising therapies out there which the pharmaceuticals will never, ever test because there's no money in it. And if all possible, make sure that a family member walks through every step of the journey with you. You'll be glad you did.
Throughout my cancer journey, there have been ups and downs, but I have been at rest, at peace inside. And here's why. I know God is in control. He is faithful. He never says, oops. As my heavenly father, he loves me deeply. But as my coach, he gives me tough things like prostate cancer so that I can become everything he intended me to be on the day he created me. As my shepherd, he walks through the dark valleys with me, so I will fear no evil. Folks, here's the good news. God loves you just as much as he loves me. But unless you embrace his son, he, he will not be your heavenly father. Unless you ask him to be your shepherd, he will not walk through the dark valleys with you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. When you follow Jesus, you get to transfer your anxiety, your pain, and your frustration from debilitating head fog, brain fog, onto him. And emotionally, that makes a world of difference. You see, the final lesson I learned from prostate cancer is lean heavily, heavily into God. He loves you. He loves me. And he will walk with you through the dark valley if you ask him to with an open heart. God is the issue in every issue, especially in the curveballs that life is going to throw at you. This is Brad Bright. Thanks for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, or share. And God bless.